Good morning, church family. I am uh, so glad to have the opportunity to be with you this morning and to uh, share a word from Scripture. Uh, as you uh, as you know, um, we are continuing our series that we've been doing for the last couple weeks. Uh, we have some good news this morning as we are talking about uh, what God is actively doing in our congregation uh, and in the lives of members of our congregation. Um, we've got uh, a few things that we want to share with you that maybe you didn't know about, and uh, I'm particularly excited about uh, a couple of these. Today we're going to be honoring our graduates. Uh, Kyle is going to be sharing with us about them and uh, the good news that they are they are uh, planning for their future and what their future is going to look like. Kyle's going to offer them a blessing as well. Um, we also want to let you know that we have some new members. Uh, as of as of yesterday, uh, they expressed earlier a uh, few weeks ago that they were interested in uh, being a part of our congregation uh, and and working alongside us. Uh, and so we want to introduce them to you this morning. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and let them do that. Uh, this is the Rotor family. Uh, we had a fantastic visit with them yesterday. Um, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So if you'll give me just a moment, I'll pull up the video for that, uh, and you can you can meet our new family. Hi, good morning. My name is Eric Roder, and this is my wife Emily. We are, and these are my children. Uh, I'm Amber. That's Christian, and that's Dakota. We are. Um, new members here at the Newburgh Church of Christ, and we're excited to come and worship God with you. And we've uh, been Christians for quite a while, so we're excited for the, the to come here and be part of a, a new church. And we hope to meet all of you soon after the, the COVID crisis is over. Wonderful. Hi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So that's Emily and Eric and their kids, Amber, Dakota, and Christian. Uh, we are excited that they're going to be uh, working alongside our congregation and we get to know them a little bit better. Um, obviously, uh, we're looking forward to getting to greet them in person, but we wanted to recognize them. You know, God has done some amazing things for our congregation, even at a time where we can't be together in person. Um, just after we started meeting online, uh, Sherry Blanton and Donna Burris uh, placed membership with the congregation. We've had a baptism. Uh, Nicole was baptized uh, about a month ago now. Uh, and we've had the opportunity to, to celebrate a wedding as well. Uh, I think that there's just so much good that is happening. Uh, sometimes it's hard to remember all the ways in which God is good to us and we are benefiting from the work that he does even as we uh, experience strange and different times. Um, as I said, today we're going to be celebrating our graduates, uh, and Kyle has uh, put together a video to share with you, and so we're going to move into that. Um, I want to encourage you uh, to, to hear what it is that Kyle has to say and celebrate uh, these graduates, especially after today, um, because they, they have a whole summer ahead of them as they plan to go off to college. And so now I'll hand you over to Kyle. Hello, church family. I'd like us to take a moment today to honor our high school graduates. This year for our seniors, things are a little different because of the pandemic. They're not able to celebrate in some of the usual ways. And so I want us to be especially intentional today about taking a moment to honor and celebrate uh, the accomplishments that our seniors have made this year and wish them well as they begin a new chapter in their lives. This year, we have two graduates uh, in their senior year. Their names are Alec Bunting and Kelsey Beam. This week, uh, an email went out from Norma with some details on their lives and their plans, and I really encourage you to make sure that you've taken some time to read through uh, that and get to know them a little bit. Today I've written down a blessing for each of them that I'd like to share, and hopefully it's a chance for you to get to know them a little bit better as well. Here we go. <clears throat> Alec is one of the most thoughtful and passionate young persons I have ever met. He cares deeply for people, which is best seen in how he cares for and loves his mom, Stella, who's suffering from cancer. Alec gives 100% to anything he pursues, 
whether it's sports, schools, or other hobbies. He's always very inquisitive when it comes to God's word and always asking good questions and seeking the truth. Alec, you've been through so much adversity in your life from having a, a pacemaker put in to struggles in your personal life and yet um, through it all um, and through Jesus, you have overcome everything. The verse I would like to share with you is 2 Corinthians 4.17, which says, For our light and momentary struggles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I think you model this verse very well because you always turn to God no matter what life throws at you. And because of that, you will overcome. And now to Kelsey Bean. Kelsey plans also to attend OC in the fall to study graphic design and to minor in marketing. Kelsey is the kind of person that may be a bit shy on the surface, but once you get to know her better, you can see her humor, kindness, and thoughtfulness shine through. Kelsey has a great smile and laugh and has been such a wonderful person to get to know. She shows wisdom beyond her years, and she's very talented in anything art or design related and finds ways to use her gifts to share those talents with others. Kelsey, when I think about the person that you are, I think of Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, which says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I believe you are the kind of person who demonstrates compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And may you continue to use and develop those characteristics as you grow in Jesus. For our grads, I usually like to send them off with some kind of gift and a gift that can remind them of a verse, the verse that I shared and just something that can help them remember us back here at home. Uh, for Alec, um, I've given him this, this leather keychain that has his name and his verse on it. And for Kelsey, I've given her uh, a bracelet that has uh, her verse on it as well. And I just want you to know that, that we are proud of you and I hope that these gifts can help you look fondly back on, on your memories here at Newburgh. And for the rest of us, I really wanna encourage you to please make time this week to encourage and celebrate our grads and the hard work that they have done. You can do this by writing and sending cards to them, and you can send them by mail or just drop them off at the church, and I will make sure uh, to deliver them to them personally. That should make it a little easier for us all to be able to write and send them cards. And I'd also encourage you to consider, the, consider giving them an Amazon gift card so that they can use it to buy whatever they might need when they get down to college, if you're willing to support them in that way as well. But please write and send them cards. You can again drop them off at the church building and I'll make sure that they get to them. So Alec and Kelsey, we're proud of you. We wish you well as you begin this new chapter and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. So thank you, Kyle, for uh, helping us to understand and know uh, these individuals better. It is a blessing to have uh, young people in our church that we are able to celebrate. I just realized I called them young people, which makes me sound uh, very old. But uh, in any case, we are glad to have the opportunity to celebrate our seniors who are graduating. Um, and I want to I want to let you know that uh, they they are with us for a short period of time between now and when they uh, head off to college, and we want to make sure that we are uh, doing our best to support them now. But even when they're gone, uh, we are going to continue to pray for them. We want to keep in touch with them um, and encourage them in the pursuit that God has given them in their lives of pursuing Him. Uh, so thank you so much, Kyle. Really appreciate that video. Um, 
We have a few weekly updates here. Uh, I want to remind you that we have some online small groups that are going on. Uh, there's our Wednesday adult class that happens on Zoom. Uh, all of our small groups and all of our classes right now are happening on Zoom. Uh, you can uh, join Don and Nancy's class, which happens on Monday nights. Uh, you can join um, Mike and Samantha Burris's class that happens on Tuesday evening. Uh, right after uh, Mike and Samantha, uh, there is a class that Bob is leading for men uh, that has been fantastic. I've been a part of that and really enjoyed it. Uh, if you are interested in joining any of those uh, small groups and uh, being a part of the community and discussion that's happening there, I would encourage you to reach out to the individuals who are um, putting these classes together. Um, it's a, a fantastic opportunity to, first of all, connect with our, our fellow congregants, uh, members of the Newburgh Church of Christ, but it's also just a good opportunity to be edified and encouraged spiritually as an individual. Um, and so I invite you to, to reach out to the leaders of these small groups and uh, make that connection and pursue uh, your own spiritual growth, but also the relationships that we, we want to have uh, fostered in our congregation. Um, there is a youth event planned for Wednesday uh, this coming week. Um, Kyle has uh, planned out an event that allows for social distancing, allows for uh, good practices that uh, are safe and, and take into consideration all the guidelines that we've been given. Uh, it's going to be happening outdoors at the building, and I think it's messy games, which uh, when I was in youth ministry, that was always the best way to go. Uh, if you can make a mess and then uh, uh, have the opportunity to get kids together. It's just a fantastic opportunity. So parents, if you have questions about that, you can reach out to Kyle. I believe there was an email that went out earlier this week, um, and Kyle is planning a series of events through the summer uh, that will be in person, uh, but socially distanced. Finally, we have our virtual VBS that's been planned for August 17th through 21st, and there is an online registration, not just coming soon. I think Kyle has actually completed that, uh, and if you haven't received an email, I think you'll be receiving an email at the beginning of this, uh, this work week, and so Monday or Tuesday. Um, so all of that to say, we have things that are going on. We have a lot to be excited about. Uh, new members, we have graduating students. There's still activity going on within God's body. And, and beyond all of the planned things, there are a lot of unplanned things that God is doing. Uh, beautiful, wonderful opportunities that we've had to bless our community. Um, you know, opportunities to encourage those around us in their spiritual growth. And so I invite you uh, to, to keep your eyes open to what God is doing and to celebrate these good things. Finally, as far as announcements go, before we move into our, our sermon time uh, and scripture reading and communion, I want to let you know uh, that next Sunday we plan to open up a little bit of our, our plan for uh, phase two. Uh, Yamhill County, I believe, has applied to enter into phase two of the reopening process. Uh, I've been following the guidance and uh, there, there are things that we may be able to do. Uh, we are working really hard this week to come up with a formalized plan and to be able to provide you with clarity. Um, we may not be able to get back to exactly what we, we would all hope we could be back to in the next couple weeks, but we do believe that we have a plan uh, in place and are working on furthering that plan so that we can, we can begin the process of reopening in different ways. Um, and so next week we'll be providing some guidance and clarity for the congregation on what exactly that looks like. But I want to let you know we are not standing still in that area. And we do have uh, some faithful people that are working really hard uh, to make sure that whatever we do next is uh, spiritually encouraging, uh, that it is safe for as many members of our congregation as it can possibly be, and also uh, moves us forward in the process that we're in right now. So, all of that said, uh, let's go ahead and set aside announcements for just a little bit and move into our sermon time. Um, we are continuing a series. Good morning, oh. church. Today I have the scripture reading in Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
and they appeared to them as tongues as a fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. May God bless the reading of his word. I miss you all. Take care. So I, I forgot we have a scripture reading before the sermon. Uh, thank you, Brian, for reading our scripture this morning. Uh, and um, I just want to uh, let you know how many people have been involved either behind the scenes or uh, as you've seen them on Sunday morning. I really appreciate that support. Uh, and I really appreciate getting to see all the different faces and have, uh, have the opportunity for us to be reminded of the larger body that we're a part of. Um, Brian read to us from Acts chapter 2. And uh, that's where we're headed this morning. Uh, but we're continuing this series, Don't Look Back, God's Guidance in Transition. And we started off in the book of Exodus and the transition of the people of God through the wilderness. Uh, from Egypt to uh, the Red Sea, from the Red Sea to the Promised Land. And some of the grumbling and complaining that they did because it wasn't what they expected it to be. Uh, last week, we looked a little bit closer at a time of exile, uh, specifically in the book of Jeremiah, and God's assurance to the, the, the people that, hey, you're going to be here a while. This is going to be different, and it's not where you want to be, but it's where I've brought you, and I want you to make the most of things. And this week, we're going to talk about another major transition in Scripture and what it is that we can learn from that major transition. Um, if I were going to say that the first week's point uh, of this series was anything in particular, it's this. God will provide. In transition, God will provide. In, in week two, if there was one point I could give you, it would be this. No matter where we go, God wants us to be about his work. God will provide. And God wants us to be about his work. Uh, we can look back and say, where is God in this? Well, you know, God is there and he's providing. Uh, and while we may look back and say it was easier in that time, oftentimes we're fooling ourselves to say that. Um, sometimes we're not, but oftentimes we are. In week two, this idea that God wants us to be about his business wherever we are. Uh, the Israelites were told to pursue the, the welfare of the city that they were in. And that's what God wants his people to do today as well. Pursue the welfare of, of the situation we're in. The people around us, our next door neighbors, the people in our own homes. Uh, so I was talking with Emily and Eric uh, yesterday. They said one of the, the beautiful things about having had this period of time that people have been in quarantine uh, is that they've had more time together as a family. Eric has been working from home. And uh, as a result, he's had the opportunity to be with his wife and children more. Um, and there's some good that's come from that. Um, obviously, there are things that are drawbacks that, that we all would like to see changed. But more than anything, we've had the benefit of maybe investing a little more time in the people who are right around us. And so I want to encourage you with that. This week, we're looking at a transition that happens slowly throughout Scripture. And we have to go back to the book of Exodus again to do that, but we're going to end up in Acts, and I'm not going to linger too long in any one of these places. Uh, but I want us to read from Exodus 40, verse 34 through 38. This is the end of the book of Exodus. It says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys... Whenever the cloud was taken up, over the up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Um, this is after uh, a long stretch of the Israelite people preparing the tabernacle, preparing the implements of worship, preparing what it is that they will use uh, to be God's people in the wilderness. And God comes down off the mountain and rests 
on the tabernacle. Uh, it, it actually says elsewhere that he, he, his spirit enters into the tabernacle. And the image here is that when God moves, the people move. And when God is still, the people are still. Um, that he provides the rhythm of the movement of their lives, that he directs them visually, but also uh, in a spiritual sense. It is God among his people. And that's the story of the children of Israel in the wilderness. God is among his people for 40 years. Now, there are times where they don't trust God's presence, and it gets them into some pretty big trouble. But for the most part, they are, they are moved, literally and figuratively, by God's presence among them. And this lasts until, uh, until they get into the promised land and they erect the tabernacle uh, and they, they continue to worship there. And there's a period of time uh, that that's just sort of the status quo. The tabernacle is the place of worship. But there also comes a time where Solomon builds a temple for God. Uh, David had wanted to build a temple. There had been discussion about a temple. In many ways, it, it only made sense if we are a people with a land and a fixed place, the, the capital of which is, is our uh, uh, center, the, the area that our king resides in, shouldn't we be a people with a temple? And so they fashion a temple. They build a temple. David couldn't do it, uh, but Solomon did. David prepared for Solomon to be able to build the temple. And when Solomon builds the temple, uh, we're told a whole lot about what it is that goes into that construction. All the, all the gold and the raw materials, the stones, the, the cedar, all the implements of stuff that needs to go into the temple. They prepare Remember, in the wilderness, they prepare the implements of worship, the tabernacle uh, and, and the uh, Ark of the Covenant and all of these scepters and vessels and things, the lampstands. All of these things are prepared and then God rests on the temple or on the tabernacle. In the same way, uh, we read that about the temple of God that Solomon builds. In Second Chronicles, at the end of building the temple and at the end of this big dedication ceremony, it says, As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. All right? So fire is this, this emblem in both stories, in the story of the tabernacle and also in the story of the temple, this fire that descends from heaven. And it's, it's after the period of preparation. This is really essential for us to understand some of what happens in the New Testament. Um, and you may be thinking, let's, let's move on from the history. We will, I promise. But you need to see that God operates oftentimes in ways that uh, lead us into understanding what he's doing. If God has acted in the past in one way and people recorded it, the way that God acts in the future will be a little bit more clear to his people if he follows a particular pattern, a particular way of doing things. That's why when we read about Jesus being the Lamb of God, it's important for us to know about the Old Testament sacrificial system. Uh, when we read about Jesus being the Son of Man, it's important for us to know that Daniel uses that explanation for the one who is in heaven, someone who is like a son of man, uh, this future savior of the world. Uh, when we read about Jesus uh, uh, performing miraculous feats over nature, we have to know that in the Old Testament, God alone was capable of performing those miracles. And sometimes he would use a vessel in order to do it, a human being who would be his representative but God alone performs the miracles. In the New Testament, Jesus performs the miracles. Uh, so all of these patterns are really significant. And as we go into Acts 2 this morning, I think we're going to see that. Uh, but I want to go ahead and look at a couple of things that Jesus tells the disciples before he's resurrected, before he's crucified even. Uh, if you have your Bibles, it's not going to be up on screen, uh, but I'm going to encourage you to go to John chapter 14. The book of John begins with this statement about God becoming flesh, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among 
his people. That's the same kind of language that's used in the Old Testament to describe the tabernacle and then the temple later. God dwells among his people. The tabernacle is a dwelling place, a tent. The temple is a dwelling place, a house of God. John introduces Jesus by saying that Jesus dwelt among us. And we think, wow, that's wonderful. This is language that describes the Old Testament, uh, or harkens back to the Old Testament. And we hear it, and we know what God is doing. God has come among his people. And that's good news. That is the gospel, that God came to be among his people so that we could have eternal life. But Jesus tells his disciples in chapter 14 uh, a couple of things that are maybe initially disturbing, but then should help us understand that God is doing something even bigger than he did in the Old Testament. He says this in verse 15 of chapter 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it has neither seen him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come or we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, let them be, uh, neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I, and now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place you may believe. I will no longer talk with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. These are the words of Jesus as he approaches the cross, the words of Jesus to his disciples. I am leaving you, but I am not leaving you. I will send my spirit, and I will be in you. This is the language that Jesus uses to describe the arrival of the Holy Spirit to his people. And, and there's a part of it that, uh, you know, we, we look at and we're like, hey, how wonderful would it be if Jesus were right here among us right now and we could, we could reach out and touch him. Jesus actually tells his disciples it's better that he goes so that something better can come. The helper can come. That his spirit can come and be present not just among his people, but in his people. And so it's with that in mind that I want us to go ahead and take a look at uh, a verse that happens in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1 through 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit 
and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right. There's a few things that happen here. We've already talked about this idea of fire appearing as the Spirit fills the temple and fills the tabernacle. When we read about this tongues of fire above the heads of people, we're reading about God filling his people with the Spirit. This fire above them is intended to to make us think about the tabernacle, to think about the temple. This, This rushing wind that happens... Uh, the, the word for wind is also the same word for breath. It is the same sort of idea that's used when God breathes into Adam the breath of life. It is the language that God uses to describe in Ezekiel the filling of dry bones with wind so that they are brought to life. It is taking an inanimate thing and bringing it new life. And it is God investing his spirit in that which was dead before. The message of Acts 2, as we read it here, sometimes we get so caught up in the word tongues and we we get caught up in uh, the tongues of fire that appear over their head. The language that is most important, I think, is, is the language of the wind and the language of the fire. And the tongues is important because uh, in, in the book of Genesis... All people start speaking in uh, different languages at the fall of the Tower of Babel uh, when the people are dispersed and different nations come as a result of that. Here, language is not a barrier. That is important, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But I want us to focus on the wind and the fire and the spirit coming into the people of God. The most important aspect of transition in each of these stories is not the activity of the individuals who are involved. Now, there is lots of preparation that goes into these times. Uh, Jesus spent three years preparing the disciples for the time in which the Spirit would arrive on them. There is a, a months-long window, maybe, maybe even a full year, in which the Israelite people build the implements of worship for the tabernacle in the wilderness. There is a, a long span that Israel is in uh, the promised land before they build the temple. And there is a period of collection at the end of David's life, and there is a period of building and collection in Solomon's life, a long expanse of time in which they prepare for God to move into something. Preparation is important. But the theme of the story is not what the people do. The theme of the story is what God does to draw himself closer to them. God draws himself to be among his people in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle and in the temple. And in the New Testament, God moves into his people. The Spirit resides in his people. And I want to I move forward just a little bit here. There are two things that I think are really significant about the next verses and then a verse just a little later in chapter 2. It says this, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, And at this sound, the sound of the rushing wind, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And this is is significant. Again, remember back in the Old Testament in Genesis, everyone stops speaking the same language and there's confusion and it causes division among human beings. And here God corrects that. He writes that. He, He sets something new that people from Every nation can be brought back together, regardless of the tongue that they may speak. This is a unifying moment for people of different backgrounds, people of different uh, languages, and genuinely nationalities. Now, these are Jews dwelling 
in Jerusalem, but they come from a multitude of nations, all the nations under heaven. There are Ethiopian Jews who would have been black. There are uh, Middle Eastern Jews, the, the Jews that we would think of in Jesus' own time. There are Roman Jews who may have a, a more Caucasian appearance to them. There are uh, Jews coming from all over the world, maybe from India, maybe as far east as China. And they have all come back to celebrate the worship of God in Jerusalem. And they came initially, probably, for the Passover, which happened about 50 days before this day. 50 days exactly, as a matter of fact, before the day of Pentecost. And they all come to Jerusalem to worship God for the Passover, and they stay for this, this other festival that happens, this other feast season, uh, they would travel a long distance, and it only made sense. If I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there for a while. So they take up residence in Jerusalem, and they're not native to the country, but they are native to the worship of Yahweh, God. And God speaks to all of them through his people. The Spirit opens their mouths to language that allows people who are unlike them, but also like them, to have access to what God is doing. And this is what is preached on that day. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And it goes on to, to quote uh, an Old Testament prophecy about how the Spirit will manifest itself in God's people. And there's a lot to be unpacked there, but I want to focus specifically on the statement, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was relegated to uh, dwelling among the people of Israel. Here, the message is being delivered to Israelites, Jewish people, but the message is, this isn't where it stops. The Spirit will dwell among all flesh. It will dwell in all flesh. It will be poured out on all flesh. So I say all of this uh, because I, I want us to focus on what God has done for his people. God has made his residence among us, me, in me, in you, in, in our brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of who they may have been before they came to Jesus, the Spirit dwells in them. How does this deal with transition? What, what does this have to do with what we're facing right now in, in COVID-19, this, this situation that we're facing in, in the year 2020, and what, what comes next? Well, I want to tell you this. In many ways, we look at this as a time of transition. Things will be different on the other side. Things are different right now. Things uh, three months ago were very different than they are today and are very different, were very different than they will be in another three months, most likely. But what hasn't changed is the presence of God in our lives. And the most important thing that we can be doing is preparing for God's activity among our people, constantly, continually. The preparation is on our part. We prepare to be involved in God's dwelling. We prepare for God to do something in us, and then God does it. Because he signals to us, now is the time to move. Now is the time to be my people in this way. Before you were my people in another way, now you're my people in this way. It's, it's not saying that God is going to change the way that the church uh, worships Jesus. It's not going to change our fundamental idea of, of what is most important, that we are saved through Christ alone, through baptism into his name, through uh, obedience to him in our life, and to submission to his spirit in our hearts. But the particulars of what things look like may change. And we, as a people 
need to be prepared when they do. We need to consult the spirit that lives within us and ask, what is God doing right now? And I'll tell you this, I think uh, at the beginning of all of this, I, I mentioned, I think God is giving a lot of us an opportunity to reflect. Uh, God is giving us a lot of opportunity to connect with the people that live under our own roofs. Roofs. God is giving us the opportunity to connect with our families, our roommates, our, our uh, significant others. God is giving us the opportunity to really evaluate what it means for us to be present with the people we are present with. I want to encourage you with, with the idea that God is preparing for us to move. God is asking us to prepare to move with him. Now, God, unlike in the Old Testament, is not going to lift off of his people and direct us. Instead, he's going to speak to our hearts. That's what, Je that's what Jesus tells his, his disciples, that the Spirit will provide guidance. And so are we listening to the Spirit today? What are our prayers? Are our prayers, God, make things the way that they were? Or are our prayers, God, help me to know how to move in the way you call me to move? There's a lot of construction going on outside of my house right now. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it's a little distracting to me. And so I apologize. Uh, I'm a little off at the moment. Probably always a little bit off. But the key is this. God is going to do something. We know that. We can look at history and we know that God is tireless in his efforts. And he's always calling his people to be involved in the work of his kingdom. I think right now there is an opportunity for us as, as the people of God in North America to have a very powerful voice in this idea of the bringing together all nations, all flesh, of, of being a unifying force. And you may not necessarily have uh, an agreement with everyone on what that looks like or, or how great the need may be. I think it's very clear, though, that God's desire is not for humanity to be a bunch of separate uh, identities based on uh, physiology. I think it's that he wants us all to be unified, one people, that the barriers that we've used to separate ourselves for generations, uh, that those are torn down. And they're torn down in the church, but sometimes we try and erect them again. And so I invite you uh, this morning to maybe consider how God is moving in us. Maybe he's given us some still time to really think through what it looks like for the church to be involved in, in unifying people of different races and different backgrounds and uh, how we can share the good news of the risen Savior with people of all kinds. Maybe right now God is informing us on uh, how we, we have tended towards thinking that he dwells in a particular place, uh, you know, the tabernacle or the temple. And right now we have the opportunity to broaden that idea and say, no, God dwells within us, within me and within the community of believers that is the church. And he's giving us the opportunity to reevaluate uh, some of our, our uh, preconceived ideas. Maybe God is just giving you specifically the opportunity to evaluate uh, the, the ways in which your hands and feet have been about or not been about the work of his kingdom. Regardless of where you may be, regardless of what it is that the Spirit is doing in you, I, I ask you over the next week, over the next two weeks, over the next month, over the next two or three years, however long it takes, be constantly praying, God, what is your Spirit doing? And how do I move with your spirit? Are we listening for the voice of the spirit? Or are we praying for God not to move us, but for him to be moved by us? I want God to move me. I want him to direct my steps. And I, I don't always live as though that is my priority. 
I'll be honest, I struggle sometimes to do God's will when I think that God's will is different than what it should be. Because sometimes I'm a foolish human being and I struggle with, with uh, the desire to control things. But God is moving. God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh, on you, on me, on our brothers and sisters in many different places throughout the world. And the transition that he's giving us right now is an opportunity for us to ask that question. What will God do next? And how can I make sure that I move when he moves and I'm still when he's still? This is the end of this series. Um, it, is, it is my hope that as we've considered what it means for God to guide us in transition, that we've thought about uh, the idea that God will provide for us regardless of the situation we may find ourselves in, that God is asking us to be about his kingdom, and that God is asking us to move when he moves and be still when he is still. To be asking ourselves, am I prepared for the spirit that dwells within me to move me, or am I trying to move myself? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you are good. You are faithful. You have a will and a plan. And if we've read the Bible, if we've read it front to back, we see that in the end, your, your glorious kingdom comes in its fullness and its richness, and your people will abide with you and you with them. And everywhere we turn, we will be faced with the wonderful creator who has loved us so deeply that he sent his only son to die for us. Father, I pray that you help us to move with you, not to... Not to push our way back, not to ignore the voice that is inside of us that comes from your spirit, but to, to live faithfully according to the calling that you've given us. It's all this that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you into our time of communion. Jim is going to share with us, and, uh, and then we will move into our time of worship today. Good morning, church. As we gather around the king's table, it may be your dining room table, it may be your kitchen table, or even a make-believe table. We are at the king's table, a table that he has set for us. On the day he was betrayed, he took two simple items, took the bread, took the wine, blessed them, and then passed them around making a strange statement. He said, eat this in remembrance of me. You see, he knew that we are very forgetful people. And as situations present themselves, such as what we are in, our experience and now, it is so easy to let this day slip by without what? Doing what Jesus asked us to do, to remember him the bread or water or wafer the, grave, the bread or the wafer represents Christ's body that went to the cross the grape juice is blood that was spilled for you and for me life is in the blood we need the blood because without the blood we're dead this has two meanings no blood for physical life and without Christ's blood a spiritual death as we partake this bread and juice please Lord help us to keep our mind focused on you and let us pray our dear God we come before you this this morning thanking you for the for the privilege you have given us to partake of this bread partake of this fruit of the vine in remembrance of your son and it's his through, through his name we pray. Amen.
As we wrap up our service this morning, I want to remind you that uh, we have ways for you to give. Uh, if you are interested in uh, giving through bill pay, we can help you set that up. Uh, if you email me or specifically if you email office at newbergcfc.com, uh, we can provide you with information on how to do that. Um, also, if you want to uh, mail or drop off a check, you're welcome to do that as well. And then finally, in the uh, link below on our YouTube description, uh, which you'll find if you're on mobile or on your laptop, but not if you're streaming on your TV, uh, there's a link to our online giving opportunity. Um, we have a lot of good work that we can still be involved in, as we've talked about at the beginning of service today. Um, and so uh, remind you about that. At this time, we're going to move into our time of worship, and then uh, I will be back at the end of service to sign us off. Uh, love you guys. Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways. And step by step you'll lead me, and I will follow you. Look on him and fall.
want to thank you all for being with us this week. That was our worship time. Uh, and I want to let you know again that God has chosen to dwell in you. If you are a member of his church, if you are a part of the body of Christ, God has chosen to dwell in you. And he has chosen to dwell in all people who would choose the name of Christ as their own name, uh, as the identity that they, they choose to pursue, that as they have placed their trust in Jesus, they have received the Holy Spirit. And you can look at the book of Acts and see that over and over and over again, that the Spirit dwells in God's people. And now he asks us as his church to be prepared to move when he moves. I believe God is moving. I believe that there are things right now that he is doing, and we are called to move with his Spirit, to allow the Spirit to guide us in our movements and to pursue what it is that God is doing. And all we have to do is listen for the voice of the Spirit in us, observe what God is doing in his people, and, and seek and pursue the unity of all people all flesh, all races, all nationalities, all languages, all backgrounds in, in the unity of the Spirit that we share. Jesus prays also in the Gospel of John for his followers to have unity, to be one just as he and the Spirit and the Father are one. And I invite you this week to pursue that unity and to move as God moves in holy and righteous ways, in ways that affirm that we are God's people. Thank you for being with us this morning. I uh, invite you again to class, to small groups, to uh, have front porch coffee with, uh, with the fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that are a part of our community, uh, to be pursuing your neighbors for the cause of Christ, to be loving people well and moving with the Spirit in your day-to-day -day life. Uh, we will see you again next week. I love you, and uh, I feel blessed to be uh, your brother in Christ.